There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. You know, it's always amazing to me that in moments like this, you know, I, I realize, and you know, honestly, I think this is where the church has really gotten an error, is that there's people in this room, and like you've never been in a moment or a service like this, and it challenges you. And um, I'm going to tell you straight, just so you know, like, because I realize that there's people that don't know me. You know, some of y'all have heard my testimony 700 times, but, you know, there's people right here in this room right now. And what you got to realize is this is not a place of religious fanatics. Matter of fact, I would say more along the lines of recovering addicts. But you know, a, a Bible verse that I held on to a lot in my transition of coming out of a life of, of street crime, or I was involved in organized crime, drug dealing, weapons trafficking, all that good stuff. And when I was coming out of that life and I was encountering Jesus, there was a scripture that rung so true to my heart that Jesus said that the man who is forgiven much loves much. And so... I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of times what you will find is the most powerful, spirit-filled ecclesias, churches, are really people that have just encountered an amazing grace because they were the worst, they were the least, they were the last, and they were the looked over. But God in his great love reached down and touched them, and, and we tried to tell him, hey, hey, my life's not perfect. And he said, you're perfect for me then. And so now when we get moments of worship like this, what you got to understand, bro, is it's not religious fanatics. It is people. This is the sound of freedom. These are people saying, I ain't got no right to be here, but my ticket's got blood on it. And it's saying I'm valid and valid. My God. And so I say all that to say this like, you know, I understand that there's people that are in this atmosphere and you're like, what in the world is going on? You know, the church has been re referenced for thousands of years as the house of God. But Revelation tells me a very powerful concept that Jesus is speaking to one of the seven churches and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock and if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come and sup with him. And one of the most convicting realities that I've lived with is that Jesus was standing outside of the door of a church. And in America, what we've done is we have taken this place and in the name of being the house of God, we've made it the house of men. We've made it about our, for, our, our, our fortune. We've made it about our fame. But I believe God is strategically looking all over the land and he is looking for houses that say this will be a house of God where God's in control, God's the boss, God is in charge. The only personality highlighted is Jesus and we celebrate that. It's not about getting our name in lights. It's about lifting up the light of the world. It is about a house that allows God to flow, move. Because this is the reality of it, man. People are hurting. Y'all can have a seat. People are in, in desperate times. They're in moments of life where stress is at its highest. And so last week we started a series 
I'll say a series, I don't know. Maybe it's a two-part message. Maybe I'll end today. I don't know. Maybe I'll go seven more weeks. I don't know. Just follow the leading of the Lord. But last week we started talking about a concept of being a hope dealer. And the message was really spurred to me because I was in a restaurant locally eating and I saw a mama who was so struggling. Just, I know she was there just to make ends meet. She didn't have a babysitter and had to drag her kids into the restaurant. And um, it was just a powerful moment that it really gripped my heart. Because while I understand the holidays, you know, so many of us are excited. And, you know, some of you got friends and family are here. But do you realize there are people that didn't get to sit at a table full of food Thursday? Do you realize there's babies that ate what we know back in the day is TV dinners? And it was called Thanksgiving. And do you understand that culturally our world will put pressure on every parent in this, in this nation to go and drain their bank accounts, to fill their, their house with toys that will soon be disposed within months after of them laboring and slaving, working overtime. Some are grabbing extra jobs just so that their kids can have a Christmas. Do you understand that that's the reality? But yet in the moment of it, here it is, that it's in this time that we should be celebrating that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize that we have taken what should be the moment's most stressless season and made it the most stressful season and do you hear me this morning that there are people all around us and they are in need of hope and that's really my heart you know last week as we looked into the message I, I, I want to recap quickly because I understand there may be some of you that weren't here last week but last week we declared that we're not just going to be a church that preaches hope we're going to be a church that is hope I don't want to preach hope and not be hope. We will be hope. Last week we learned that hope in an acronym was helping others prosper eternally and holding on because pain ends. That's what hope is. We studied the idea of learned hopelessness. We talked about the scientists that took rats and put them in water and they would swim in about 10 minutes they would drown but then he started reaching in 9 minutes and 30 seconds he'd pull them out put them back in they'd last 18 minutes he'd reach in pull them out they'd last 30 minutes he'd reach in pull them out until finally what he was able to do with one rat was train it all the way from the time that it was put in to the time it drowned it, it, it swam for 37 hours and the reason why that rat didn't die at the 10 minute mark the 18 minute mark or the 30 minute mark or the 24 hour mark is because he knew the hand was coming to pick them up and he kept swimming until he knew that hand was going to come get them and my heart is is let us be a church that when people are drowning we swoop in right before my God right before they drown and we become hope to people that are saying I can't make it and we can say yes you can so this morning I want to talk to you and I plan and fully intend to be very short honestly this morning but I want to I want to break down a little bit more of this Romans 15 and 13 says, May the God of... Man, so that means that my God is the God of hope. That if there was ever a hope house, it should be His house. And if there's hope heads, He's the head of their life. 
Oh yeah, we went all the way street last week. Y'all didn't know. We're going to go a little bit more street this week. It'd be all right. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. You know what's funny, especially, and I'm not trying to make this an Advent or Christmas message, honestly, but isn't it funny that Christmas is a proclamation of a season where of joy and peace, but yet it is absent of it? And it says, but may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. See, you can't have joy and peace without hope. Hebrews 11 said that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith and hope and joy and peace, they all work together. But it says, watch this, all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a concept that I want us to grasp this morning. I want to give you the three characteristics of a hope dealer this morning, but before we do, pull Romans 15 back up. The Bible says that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand something this morning, that if you're going to be a hope dealer, hope dealers are people that have an excess of hope. In other words, you can't, you can't sling, you can't give, you can't hustle what you don't have. See, and the reason why, I'll be honest, come on, let me help the saints sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost saints in the house this morning. See, the reason why the condition of the world is in it, it, it as it's in is I tell you it's the problem ain't in the world. The problem is in the church. Because we are we, we connected to the hope house. We should have an excess of hope. We should be overflowing with hope. There should be hope in our cars, hope in our family, hope on our job. Everywhere you go, you get around me, you, smell, you say, man, I smell hope. I should be overflowing with hope. I should be overflowing with hope. But watch this, watch this. So to overflow means that you've got one vessel, but then you add so much to it, it overflows out of that vessel. And what happens when things overflow? They get everywhere. Y'all know why you don't let your kids pour their bowl of cereal? Because they have this incredible ability to make it where cereal just overflows everywhere. It's on the table. You got milk running down the table. Let me, can, I, can I just preach you simple this morning? That, that what Romans 15 is telling us is that we should be so connected to the source of hope, God, that we are overflowing, that God's just pouring on hope and hope is getting everywhere. My God, how amazing would it be if the world had to clean up our hope? There's Dominion Church. They showed up again and poured hope all over Walmart. They poured hope all over. My God, hear me. They poured hope in my family. They showed up on my job and poured some hope. They got hope everywhere. Overflowing means messy. Woo! I'm talking about messy hope. I'm talking about something that gets everywhere. I'm talking about a hope that can't be contained. I'm talking about a hope that there's no question that it's there because the residue is left from its overflowing. 
See, and if we're going to be a hope house and become hope dealers for this community and this region, then I, I got to challenge you. All I'm going to tell you is get ready for it to get messy. See, a lot of us, we like contained. <laughs> you don't believe me? Why do you drink your bottle? Why do you drink a bottle of water and you don't drink it out your hand? Don't spill my water. We like things that we can control. But I prophetically declare to you that what God is saying I am wanting to send to this region is a messy hope. A hope that gets everywhere, flows everywhere, comes through you, by you, and to you. It's a hope that we don't get to control what it looks like. That when they smell different, look different, walk different, talk different, we give them hope. That when they show up and when they don't show up, we still administer hope. And what if we gave hope not to fill the hope house, but so that people could be filled with hope? See, so I'm talking about hope with an initiative that doesn't say let's pack out the church, but let's fill hearts. Mm. I want to give you this morning three characteristics of a hope dealer. So if you're taking notes, the first characteristic of every hope dealer is hope dealers got... They got those hope eyes. You know what I'm talking about? They got them hope dealer eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about you just look at them and you can tell they own hope. Oh, don't worry. I'm going somewhere spiritual. Matter of fact, if there was an emoji for a hope dealer, it would be the little yellow emoji face with the hearts in his eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Watch, let me show you scripturally. See, hope dealers see how Jesus saw. You'll never be a hope dealer and not be able to see how Jesus saw. Watch, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. Everyone shout, good news. About the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had... Man, where is that in the world today? But he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless and hopeless like sheep without a shepherd and he said to his disciples the harvest is great but the workers are few what did he say he said yo listen there is a lot of people that need what you have but there ain't enough dealers of you to get it out so pray that the lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field what did he say he said i need some more hope dealers watch this i love the fact that in matthew 9 it says that it was the good News that he was going. Can I tell you something? That what we have is incredibly good news. That what God has done in our life has been incredibly good. And it's a, just, just hear me out this morning. You turn on your TV and it is full of bad news. Anyone else getting sick of all the talk of all the Walmart shootings? Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness in the house? Where are the hope dealers that can reach people that will shut down the chaos in our community? 
You turn on the news and it's filled with incredibly bad news. But God is looking at his church and he's saying, I've given you the good news. That what we have is incredibly good news. But nothing will drive you to give hope harder than compassion. Can I tell you that as the Bible says in Matthew 9 that he had compassion on them. You know, my prayer is really in this message that you would look up from your phones and you would start looking out to be able to see people where they are, how they are, and what they really have going on. You know, and I'll tell you, like, as the Apostle Paul said, like, I'm the chief sinner amongst them. I'm really bad with this. Really bad. So bad, I'm going to scare, I'm going to scare some of y'all that even when I drive sometimes. Y'all pray for me. I ain't as sanctified as y'all. Sorry. But I'll be in a restaurant and rather than looking around, I'm looking down. And my prayer is that in this season that we could turn this face down so we can start facing out. That we would go, that we would go in, in, into restaurants, that we would go into businesses, that we would go into places, and what we could do is we could start seeing our surroundings. See, the Bible says in Matthew 9 that Jesus saw his surroundings. See, he walked through villages and towns, and when he did, the Bible said that he saw them that were discouraged, they were sick, they were in illness, and then he had passion on them. What did he do? He had hope eyes. He had eyes filled with compassion that he could see people where they were at, what they needed. But here's the amazing part. He said, I'm not going to leave them that way. You'll never be a hope dealer if all you're looking for is you. You'll never be a hope dealer unless you start seeing people and their circumstances and situations and not being compassionate enough, driven enough to do something about it. You know, y'all shouted last week, I want to be a hope dealer. Well, part of being a hope dealer means that you got to start looking at people differently. Oh, here. You don't get to look at people of a different skin color and judge them any differently because they don't look like you. Just because you got Louis, Louis Vuitton on and you see somebody wearing Walmart, you don't get to look down on them. Just because you eat at the five-star restaurant and they eat at McDonald's, you don't get to look down on them. The good news of this kingdom says we'll go into all the highways, all the hedges, all the world, and we'll preach this good news. You ain't got to look like me. You ain't got to talk like me. You don't got to dress like me. You ain't got to sound like me. You ain't got to be the same color as me. You ain't got to come from the same parents or the same set of tracks that I came from because what I got is for everybody. So the second part of every hope dealer is they ain't just got them hope eyes. But you, you ever notice, like them hope boys, they got the best shoes, bro. Like you can't be a hope boy and not have shoes. Can I tell you as a hope dealer... It's not just where we stand, it's where we go that makes the difference in bringing hope. Romans 10 and 14, watch this. 
better than any pair of Air Maxes y'all ever seen in your life. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how then shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings of good things. See, if you're going to be a hope dealer, you got to walk different. Hey, 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 hey. See, you don't get to walk through Walmart. You don't get to walk in the restaurant. A lot of us, a lot of us go into Walmart, we go into restaurant, we take our shoes and leave them in the car so that we can come in and say whatever we want to say, act any way we want to act, do whatever we want to do, treat you any kind of way. When my food's cold, I'll cuss you out because my shoes are in the car. But see, if you're going to be a hope dealer, you got to understand that you got shoes. You got feet. And these feet, they don't just go anywhere. They don't just walk any kind of way. But when we come, we come carrying something. See, what would happen if the church would realize that it's not just when you walk, but it's in your weight. I'm talking about your W-H-E-I-G-H-T, weight. If it was spelt wrong, don't laugh. Quit looking down on me. You hear me? Quit looking down on me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Heavy. You heavy. Heavy. You heavy. What would happen if the church started walking realizing how heavy we are? That when I go in somewhere, I'm carrying something with me. Every moment is a divine opportunity. What would happen if the church started showing up and rather than looking for what we can get, we start looking for what we could give? See, what would happen if we walked in such a manner that people would look at us and be like, man, something's different about that dude. What if we were so full of hope, we were overflowing with hope, and everywhere we walked, people knew that we had hope on us? Watch James 2. This, this right here is coming straight for some of y'all's throats. Not even your feet. Coming straight for your throat. James 2 and 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? My God, we just have an altar call. Repent and all go home right now. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. What? But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Pause right there. Don't. Let me tell you. What James just described is a lot of the condition of the church today. I'm a hope dealer. I'm starving. I'm hungry. I don't have anything. I'll pray for you. Bro, I don't need your spiritual answer. I don't need prayer. I need provision. The church has been trained so well. We answer, I'm going to pray for y'all. That's fine. 
pray. But why don't you put some action behind your prayers? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that James said, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. Bro, I just told you I don't have any food and I don't have any clothes. See, that's the truth of a lot of church people is we just want to, we want hope, but we just hope it for them. I ain't got no food, I ain't got no clothes. Well, I hope you find some. Nah, bro, I need, I, need, I, I need something beyond your words. I need actions. What good is your faith if you say you love God, but you don't really love people? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. See, now someone may argue some people have faith, but others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Watch this. He said, I ain't just going to have a nice pair of shoes. I'm going to show you how I walk in them. He said, I ain't just going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk the walk. I'm not going to tell you I got faith. I'm going to live my faith out loud. I ain't going to tell you I got hope and not be hope. But you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. Not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. When she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. In the last verse. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also his faith is dead without good works. We don't get to be hope dealers and not really deliver hope. Can I be honest with you? Oh God, I'm, oh thank you Holy Ghost. I'm feeling real bold and courageous this morning. I told y'all last week, I said... I said, man, we gonna, we'll get shirts made. And y'all said, yeah, more merch, more merch. But you know what the sad reality is? A lot more of us would rather have the shirt than empty our bank account to do something about it. Imagine if I said this. You know, this week, y'all, I don't care. We're going to figure it out. We're each going to get $1,000 out of our bank account. We're going to change families' lives in our community. Imagine how many of y'all would shout then. See, the truth of it is, is a lot of us want the talk. We don't want the walk, but you can't be a hope dealer without the shoes. It's not just in what we say, it's in what we do. Real hope dealers walk different. You can tell them by their shoes. Third thing, hope dealers have a bag. You'll never be a hope dealer without a bag. I almost brought a bag. A bag that I could just sling hope out of, but I decided that I didn't want to do that. Watch this. Bag is an acronym. Every hope dealer has a bag. Y'all ready for the bag? B-A-G. Hope dealers are blessed and giving. 
See, in other words, watch this. It's, it's the motto in my family household. My kids will tell you, they'll say, Daddy, we're not rich. Kai, we're not rich. We're what? Out of the mouths of babes. We're not rich. We're blessed. But watch this. We're not just blessed to be blessed. We're blessed to be a... So I got a bag, right, that's full of hope. But my bag is not just for my hope. My bag is knowing that I'm blessed and giving. In other words, it's not just what I carry. It's what I'm compassionate about so that I can give blessed and giving. In other words, I'm blessed, but I ain't blessed just to have a bag full. I'm blessed to be able to give it away. The Bible says this, that how do we say we love God but hate our brother? How can you say that you love God in whom you have not seen, but you hate your brother in whom you have seen? The Bible says it this way, that if we say we love God, but our brother doesn't have it, we're supposed to give it to him. If you have it and your brother does not, it says to give it to him. Hope dealers got a bag. The bag is the resource of hope. They have hope. Now how do we get more hope? Not to, not to get more hope so that we can have more hope, but how do we get more hope that we can give hope? See, because you've got to understand something. You'll never be able to give hope unless your hope's overflowing. Can I be real this morning? Some of you this morning are here and you're hopeless. And the reason why you can't give hope is because you don't have hope. Your bag is broke. There's nothing in it. And you see people that are hurting, but the truth of it is, is you're hurting. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you. You understand that hope is something that's given. Did you catch that? We have to come to a place where we realize that the hope that we have is something that can be given. I can give you hope. If God can give me hope, then I can give you hope in the God that gave me hope. And so there is a world that is hopeless and they are looking for hope givers. I just found him. Matthew 12 and 18. Watch this and I'm almost done. Here is my servant in whom I have chosen, the one whom I love and whom I delight. And I will put my spirit on him, speaking of the Lord, and he will proclaim justice to the nations, and he will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. He's a bruised reed, the will, the, a bruised reed that will not break, and a smoldering wick that he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. And in his name, the nations will put their hope. You understand that this hope is national. It's not just about my four and no more. It's about all the world outside of those doors. And I am fully convinced that there are people in this season that are incredibly hopeless and helpless. But do you understand something? Hope has the ability to be a noun and a verb. Let me give you some English lessons here. Hope as a noun is a feeling that what is wanted can be had or that the things that will eventually turn out for the best but hope is a, as a verb, in other words, hope in action, means to look forward and to desire with reasonable confidence or simply to believe that what's next is better. Some of y'all know it this way, that the best is yet to come. 
That's what hope in action looks like. It makes people realize that while it's hard, I can still have hope and what is yet to come can be my best. That what is next is better. That I may have came through a tough season, but I'm about to step into a triumph season. I may have come through hard, but I'm about to step into wholeness. I may have come through pain, but I'm about to press into promise that what's next is better. That's what hope does. See, hope is the belief that no matter what you're going through and what you've been through and what may happen, hope says what's next is better. Because hope is the thing that'll get you through difficult times. Stand with me all over the house. Hope navigates you through an impossible task. It is hope that is the thing that holds on to when we are in times like these right here. You know, the truth is, is we're in really hard times in this nation. You know, I'll be honest with you, the church is really good at dressing up and playing. What do they call that? Masquerade, right? Where everyone puts the mask on, they come to the party. You really don't know who's behind the mask. That's the whole object of the party. You know, I wonder if the church is too busy having parties. Everyone wears their mask, but the truth is, is behind that mask is a whole lot of pain. And not only that, I wonder how many people that when we leave here today, we will pass that have a mask on. They'll have their face on. They'll be smiling. And when you ask them how their day is going, they're going to tell you. But the truth is, some of them will go home and their lights will be off. Their food will be in coolers because when they lost power, they didn't want their refrigerator to spoil the food. So they had to get coolers and put their food in coolers. The power would be off and it was 40 degrees last night and they heated their house with kerosene and when they went to bed they struggled with the idea that maybe, maybe when they went to bed if the propane heater shut off it would fill the house with carbon monoxide and they may never wake up again. But then when you walk down the hall there was three children in that one bedroom apartment and they were all sleeping on a mattress with one blanket and the water wasn't running and they were dirty and hadn't had a shower in a week. Now mind you this is the person that when you just saw them at Walmart or Waffle House and you asked them how their day's going, they said, great. And the truth is, there's a lot of you right here under the sound of my voice that you would respond the same way. I will not preach hope and not be hope. As we're gathered here today, I want to share something with you because hope navigates you through impossible tasks but in the church, hope has another name. His name is Jesus. Say that with me this morning. Say, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Head bowed and every eye closed under the sound of my voice. Before I address any other hopelessness, the sure hope that we need to discover right now is that there is very well possible people under the sound of my voice and you don't know the Lord. You don't have this hope. You've never taken a moment in your life and said, you know what, this Jesus, I need him in my life. I surrender my life, no longer my will, but God's will alive and active in my life, living through me, being everything he wants me to be, doing my life, living my life for him and him alone. I understand that there's people in this room, you've never made that conscious decision. Can I tell you that the Bible gives you an incredible amount of hope and says this, it says that today is the day of salvation. That's hope. That's hope. That you're here 
And through the incredible smile of many people's faces and through the powerful anointed worship has led to a moment just like this where the word of God has gone forth and it will not return void and it has pierced and penetrated your heart. And here you stand today realizing that you are in need of hope. Well, I came to tell you hope has a name and his name is Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. It would be a hopeless situation to bring everyone here today and not give you the opportunity to make him Lord of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord, will you raise your hand just so I can see you and pray for you? Thank you. Anyone else? Raise your hand high. Raise it high. Raise it high. Anyone else? You're not living your life for the Lord. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, come on, come on. I know the Lord is in this place and he's wanting to do great things. Can I tell you this morning that you don't have to leave here without hope? If you're here this morning and your life is in an incredibly hard situation and times are tough, every head bowed, every eye closed, will you raise your hand? Just raise them up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is what I want to do. Those of you that just raised your hand to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, and those of you that just said you're in an extreme season of hopelessness, will you come to this altar so our pastors can pray with you? Come, 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 come on, come. This is your call to action right here. We're going to pray with you. Come, 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 come on. If you raise your hand, you're saying, I need this hope. I, I don't want to just hear about it. I need this hope. Come. Pastors, if you will, come. Come on. Come and pray with these that are on the altar.